The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Disgruntled Garda members amid a rostering dispute, issues around recruitment and retention, and a sense that morale is taking a hit in recent times. Garda Commissioner Drew Harris has lots of areas in need of significant attention as he implements his vision for Ngarda Siakona. And I'm happy to say that uh, Commissioner Drew Harris is with me in studio. Commissioner, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Now, we've been hearing a lot in recent days uh, about a row about rosters. Uh, and they are even threatening uh, indirectly at the moment, but perhaps more directly, a blue flu. Uh, well, um, I don't think that there's any risk of a blue flu. Uh, where we are is and we are in negotiations in respect of rosters. Um, these negotiations have carried on for three and a half years, regrettably without success. We've exhausted, in my view, the internal mechanisms, and I've referred the matter to the conciliation service, the outside conciliation service, the WRC. And that's where we are at the moment. We are waiting then for the WRC to commence their work. I I believe that there is a a roster which meets uh, their needs, members' needs in terms of predictability, but also meets uh, the public's needs in terms of responding to incidents, investigation of crime, and uh, also then the work that we'd want to do in in terms of victim engagement and maintaining a relationship with victims. So um, there's a lot in this for me in terms of um, having a roster which really delivers in terms of productivity and the quality of service that we deliver to mm. the public. And, and I have a legislative responsibility for health and safety, but also for effectiveness and yeah. efficiency of the organisation. And But at the same time, I think compromise yeah. can be found now, through the WRC. They've been talking, though, about uh, family-friendly rostering and so on. Uh, and it seems to me that one of the effects of this is that some people would have fewer days off. Is that what it's really about? Because if you're doing 12-hour shifts, you have lots of days off because you only work the designated number of hours a week. If you're working eight-hour shifts, you have fewer days off. Is that really at the heart of this? Well, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not clear because uh, any time we've, we've proposed the eight-hour shift, that it has been uh, rejected. Uh, whereas um, we have all sorts of inquiries and investigations that require dealing with victims, dealing with other agencies, dealing with financial institutions, and they're working predominantly Monday to Friday, and also then our availability to victims. And my view of the previous rosters was we were too concentrated on the weekends in terms of detectives and not enough uniform personnel. I wanted to redress that balance so there was more uniform personnel available on a Saturday and Sunday, and detectives were available during the week for those, for purposes of inquiries, but also the purpose of attending court. So th- this is actually not about, I would say, um, just the eight-hour shift as opposed to a 12-hour shift. It's actually when uh, it's beneficial and when I need uh, members on duty to perform their, their um, to their, their so, duties. So you've looked at the policing needs and you've said this is the kind of roster that will work for Joe Public. Uh, for Joe Public in terms of providing a service, providing predictability, there's also a point about minimising overtime and that is part of welfare as well. We don't want well, individuals... That, minimising overtime means people have less money in their pockets. Well, so is that at the heart at of it as well? Uh, and more time at home and less attendance at work. And these are all parts of uh, welfare in terms of health and safety, but actually, as you mentioned yourself, this uh, work-life balance. So why would I have a roster which in effect means that people are on rest days for support substantial parts of the working week whenever courts are running and I've outlined other areas and therefore then having to accrue overtime rest day working 
to go to attend court, etc. So th- that means, though, that people who have been used to that system where they have a 12-hour shift and then in order to attend court they have to go in on their day off and they get paid for that. It does mean that they're going to look at their pay packet and think, I'm not going to make the kind of money I made last year. Well, it also come in and say that the 24-7 units, so that's a great majority, actually, the organisation, uh, some 72%, they will stay on the 12-hour roster. We're talking about a more discreet group here of the de- of detectives and specialists who move on to a different roster. That that roster um, maximises the availability of staff in terms of having uh, that, that cohort of staff divided across four units and therefore then on duty 12 hours. Now those 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 hours are tiring and we have to be very careful in terms of the extra hours people could work beyond that because 12 hour shifts of themselves is a very tiring shift and people do need their rest as well. So there's also there, no shift system is perfect. Shift systems are, and particularly shift systems where in emergency services have an antisocial element to them and, and, uh, and do cut across family time in terms yeah. of working nights or working weekends. Anyway, you are prepared to go to the WRC and accept whatever recommendations they make? Well, yes, and that's the purpose of conciliation is that actually we go in, uh, we can have no red lines, I entirely accept that, and we find then uh, a compromise through the conciliation process and uh, I'm entirely open to that. I met only yesterday with... uh, uh, AGSI, um, Association of Sergeant Inspectors, and I reiterated that point again, but all of the associations know that we are entering into the WRC in good faith to find compromise. Mm. Now, one of the complaints, and every time we talk about policing, we get uh, emails and texts from uh, serving Gardaí who talk about admin and how every contact they have with the public has now got to be logged. They spend more time in front of a screen than they do engaging with people on the street. That's what they tell us. Well, um, there's a number of elements of that. We are moving towards more electronic systems. We're moving away from, in effect, pen and paper. And in the third decade of the 21st century, it's entirely appropriate. So there's been a number of areas that we've looked closely at. We've, we've taken a lot of feedback in terms of the uh, investigation management system. And that has been considerably altered to streamline that and make that more user friendly for the members. Also, then this year, we're delivering on a new command control system again. That provides uh, accountability and actually provides protection for members in terms of what they've done, as well as providing a record uh, to management and accountability in terms of but services But does everything have provided. to be logged? For example, if a tourist comes up and says, uh, where is the GPO? Does well, that, that have that, to be logged? No, well, that's not logged. Uh, you know, they, we're logging incidents actually where there's been a call for assistance and there's been some, some form of incident. It might be crime or antisocial be- Antisocial behaviour, uh, and we've learned a lot. We've we've we centralised all of these systems about four years ago. The command control system we have has been refreshed and renewed this year, and that's a big leap forward for us in terms of the technology. But beyond that, you know, we have to move into the twenty first century. We want to be able to share prosecution files electronically with the DPP. You know, the days of carrying around huge files, you know, that's yeah. antiquated. We need to move forward. But how much time should a guard in an eight hour shift or a twelve our ships spend in front of a screen rather than being out interfacing with the public? Well, it's, that's, that's difficult actually to put a barometer on that. Obviously, I want to maximise their visibility and that's been out, out on the ground. To do that, we've issued 10,000 
uh, phones, which we call mobility devices, and within those are apps which allow members on the ground to actually engage with our IT systems through the secu- secure phone and the secure apps within it. So, like we, you know, we're very advanced in the technology that we're providing to members, and that keeps on developing as well. So, things like the investigation management system, uh, uh, things around um, how they record uh, events, their engagement then with the CAD system, all of that can be managed mm-hmm. through an app. So we want to maximise that out on the ground and that that's part of our strategy in respect of this. Now one of the other things is about uh, the, the number of specialist units that you've uh, set up uh, over the last while uh, and Gardy saying look this takes people out of frontline policing and then you've got the addition protection for TDs and, and other politicians, you've got policing anti-immigrant protests um, you've got lots of other you know, domestic uh, yeah. violence units and so on so when you look at, at that thin blue line of policing is it very thin indeed when it comes to frontline stuff? Well uh, we are an organisation which has taken on increased demand um, and uh, we are an organisation then where there's a lot of hard work ongoing and uh, you know individuals regularly report that their units um, are under you can see the strain of that and under the strain just the amount of demand there is now in terms just of the specialist specialist units like it's important to explain those are things like the protective services units who deal with uh, rape, domestic abuse, child abuse. We've also had to invest in areas of, of cyber crime and we've also had to invest in terms of uh, fraud, but also other areas, including the armed support unit. Now, that we're being, we, in effect, we are skilling ourselves up to meet the demand that is happening out there. If but you, you still have to do the other stuff. So that yes. means you need huge numbers. And I know you've got approve, uh, approval from the government to increase your numbers. But that seems to be a difficulty, as does early retirement. People just saying, I've had enough. Well, it, um, there's two things to say about that. The government have supported us um, fully in terms of expansion of the organisation. But we did go through two, two and a half years, in effect, of COVID and have, that having an impact on our recruitment and training. And, and our estimate is we lost between 1,000 and 1,200 opportunities to recruit people during that time. We launched a competition uh, last March, and that's running through in terms of people going into Templemore. We have a further competition w- which will launch at the end of this month. And what we seek to do then is uh, the next class coming into Templemore, there'll be a class of 225. And, that, and that's, our, that's our aim, so that we meet the uh, government's challenge of 1,000 new Gardaí into the Templemore is that this net year. A th- well, a thousand into Templemore is not a thousand net no, increase no. because there's a, a normal rate of attrition. Well, the normal rate of attrition for us is in between 350 and 400. There, there's particulars I think should be explained here. 30 years ago and 40 years ago, we had surges in a recruitment, and those individuals are coming either to retirement at 30 year service or coming actually just to age related retirement as well. Beyond that, then, we've seen uh, a no- we've seen an increase in people who are resigning. Now, last year that was 108, 0.8% of our complement. So our turnover in any any year is roughly about 3%. And I think if you compare us with any other comparable police service, never mind comparable organisation of our size, we are doing very well. But we are we are our own jurisdiction and we are unique. We are very conscious of wanting to recruit the right calibre of person. And also then that person wants to stay with us as well. And there is a, there is a 
there's just an element of the jobs market at, at this moment in time where the jobs market is a very transient one. People are seeing other opportunities either here in Ireland or indeed further afield and taking up on those mm. opportunities. I think we're doing better than maybe some of the other major industries in terms of holding on to our employees. Now, we see police and get a bad name internationally in the UK, the scandals in the Met and elsewhere in the United States. Various local police forces and city police forces have been under uh, scrutiny. Uh, I would suggest that Angarda Siakona has a very good reputation with most of the Irish public. Um, uh, yes, we do. And we conduct a public attitude survey and that shows very, li- very high levels of trust in the organisation, 92%, and great faith and confidence in the service that Angarda Siakona provides, particularly at a local level. People, people worry about crime on a national level, but, are, but are, are very confident about the policing service that they provide at a local level. But even all of that you say there, that also feeds into uh, cessations or turnover in an organisation. In the UK it's run about 10%. In some American cities it's run way ahead of that. And people are looking to Angarda Shikana as an example of uh, how are you successfully recruiting and retaining people. This is seen still as a very positive um, uh, occupation. We recently conducted our own internal cultural audit and that was very positive about people's sense of duty, sense of responsibility, want to act properly, mm. want to provide a service well, to the public. Why are they telling us on the text line all the time that uh, morale's on the ground? Well, well, I would say, well, I, I would quote the uh, cultural audit, which some um, 3,700 respondents, so that's a good response from the, from the Garda members. And that's not what that says. And, and beyond that then, I'm very regularly in stations, very regularly talking to uh, Garda members of all ranks. And also then I obviously engage in uh, with the people who provide our welfare services. And that's not their experience either. What I do think is happening is we've come out of COVID uh, and the organisation worked very hard during COVID. And there's been a time of us. Uh, there's been, I think, a time where we've been tired and we just have to recalibrate to take that into account mm. and move forward. Our listeners are very engaged with the conversations uh, with uh, Commissioner Drew Harris. This one uh, is, uh, let's see, any update from the Commissioner on the far right? How scared should we be? Well, um, we are certainly dealing with more more protests. Those are all being uh, properly managed and we're, uh, there is a breach of the criminal law there and that's been investigated and reported to the DPP as people would expect. So we're always monitoring them for uh, uh, protests in terms of... Um, the behaviours and whether crimes are, are being committed or, or threats being made, etc. Secondly, just I would, I would say in respect overall of the far right, and this is a European uh, issue as well, it's not just an issue in Ireland, is that um, we can see that they've become more prevalent, they've become more prevalent online and they have an ideology which they do spread through social media and the, and the internet and people can get caught up into that. Um, there's good experience then that we can draw upon from other countries in terms of combating that. But I would say overall, uh, Ireland uh, is a very inclusive, tolerant country. And I actually don't think this is going to find the traction, which, which uh, some really, you know, pretty nasty elements would hope that it would gain. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But people should be assured 
that we watch it very carefully, not only from um, crime prevention front, crime investigation, but also in terms of, of uh, national security threat as well. So we fully engage with our European uh, counterparts in, in, in all assets of this and keep a tight eye on it. Mm. Um, online, you can see lots of examples where the Gardaí are ballyragged by gougers who give them lip and the, they seem to get away with it. One of the texts here, why can't we have the sort of imposing don't mess with us cops that one sees in European cities like the CRS in Paris? Street thugs are not afraid of Gardaí because the Gardaí are not intimidating enough. Well, um, I, I would be the complete opposite camp from that. Part of our... Um, Part of our success lies in our approachability and our sense of engagement with the community. There is always an element, and it's always regrettable that there's an element in society who don't really know how to behave and make um, very poor choices when, when they're out and about in the streets, either in dealing with us or in dealing with others, and get themselves in trouble, therefore. And they should be dealt with then by the courts. They should be detected, reported, and then dealt with by the courts. I don't think that we want to go down the route of being, in effect, more imposing. Uh, I've seen and, and are familiar with the, the models of policing being referred to, but we here have a, 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 actually have a very precious model of policing, and we would discard it at our peril. Yeah, but how I, much guff should a guard have to put up with? Well, uh, all all uh, exchanges should be civil, uh, and that the you know members of Angarda Shikana, like in part our function is an extension of good citizenship to make sure crime is prevented, to keep people safe, and therefore then they should be respected as such. And I think the vast vast majority of people do that. Uh, I do think that. Um, when we get to the position of body-worn cameras, that actually this is going to have uh, perhaps uh, a salutary impact on some of those who are rude and whose behaviour is disgraceful. Because there's evidence because, being collected. Because the evidence is being collected and their behaviour, their words, etc., will actually further inform the court of, of a person's attitude okay. at the now, scene. Now, two things about the, the courts. One is um, a young fellow who barely rags a guard that ends up in court and gets referred to a juvenile liaison programme. And they know that. They know they can give the Gardaí a hard time because the sanction is not uh, very significant. And the second thing, while we're on the courts, the time wasted by a guard that has to turn up and because of the scheduling of the courts and the way it works, they could waste a whole day to give two minutes of evidence. Well, um, well, if take the first point, uh, our um, disposal, juvenile, um, dealing with uh, juveniles and the, and the disposal regime that's there in place is actually a great success in terms of diverting young people away from the criminal justice system such that they don't reoffend again. Uh, young, young people... Um, Do we have chapter and verse on how successful that is? Well, uh, at least two thirds of the young people we never see again in terms of further offend or antisocial antisocial behaviour. Now, there's a there's a core there who will reoffend or reoffend into adulthood, and that's regrettable. But the majority actually are diverted away then from uh, further criminality or or disorder, and that's a positive thing. We've invested heavily in that, as has the Department of Justice. Uh, there's over uh, 105 youth diversion schemes across the country, and that's been expanded as well because been, there's been further investment in that because it's seen as a very positive way of keeping people out of the criminal justice system altogether and see, and showing them some other positive route uh, for their life to take in terms of skills or other opportunities. So 
Like we invest heavily in that because we think it works, we believe it works and it's a better system than other countries. And again, probably people aren't aware of this, there's another area other nations come to study what we're doing in terms of youth diversion. Now what about the courts and wasting time in the courts? Well, um, we're working on that uh, along with the department and the court service. We want to minimise the time of members of Garda Shikana in court. That's, That's time that should be spent on other duties, but we've brought in uh, several initiatives in respect of that, including uh, presenting sergeants, presenting inspectors who can deal with a case up to the point where it may be needed for uh, evidence. But at the end of the day, these are these are um, criminal justice tribunals. We have to be there to prove the case and can be expected to be called as well. That's part of our function and part of our duties. Uh, can you ask the guy, the commissioner, says this texter, how he can justify the level of uninsured drivers on Irish roads, three times the rate of the UK, four times the the Average across the EU? Well, um, well, I don't seek to justify it at all. I'd point to last year with 22,000 detections for no insurance. No insurance is something that we do pursue because no insurance also love obviously then can lead you into other types of offend that an individual might be involved in. Uh, you know, if you don't insure your car, you're probably not a good egg and there's other things that you're up to as well. So no insurance is something we do concentrate upon. There are a, a couple of tech, um, devices that will assist us around this. There's a bill going around, uh, going through the doll, which will allow us then lifetime access to the insurer's a database around vehicles that are insured or not, and also then automatic number plate recognition, which is also before the before the doll will make a real difference in terms of the technology we can bring to bear. But also, because um, literally you could have new uh, number plate recognition technology uh, on a motorway, for instance, after one uh, junction. Yes, and you could have a guard the checkpoint before the next junction, and it would tell you which vehicles to stop. Uh, absolutely, and that happens regularly in the UK. Okay, so, so this is coming to us. Th- this is coming. This coming to us it happens in uh, other European countries as well. But um, the other point uh, I would say is that just um, we have worked closely. Obviously, the Motor Insurance Bureau inspect of this. They're very supportive of the legislation around uh, real time sharing of information. I do think that's a game changer. But we don't ignore. Uh, no insurance. Um, now, we know about the uh, dreadful attack on John Caldwell of the PSNI. You knew, uh, know the man? Uh, yes, yes. I, w- I worked with John over many years as, as a detective, yes. Yeah, so there's a cooperation between the PSNI and Angarda Siakona in terms of the uh, hopeful, uh, ultimate conviction of some individuals for this. Well, um we, within the first 10 minutes, I think we probably received the first uh, reports within 10 minutes of the event happening. We immediately responded in terms of uh, patrolling in the border areas right round uh, from Derry, right round to... Because um, the likelihood Monum. that they may have come well, straight across the border. Well, it, just to close that opportunity off, just to close that opportunity off, and we made that clear to the police service of Northern Ireland, listen, you have a lot to deal with there. We'll we'll take on uh, we'll take on this responsibility, and also then I made it very clear to the chief constable that we're ready then to support them in terms of any of their operational requirements, and that's carried on as well. We are continuing to support them. We continue then to respond to their requests for information, and indeed then we stand stand ready ready in any way to the system around the investigation, either be it the sharing of intelligence or uh, retrieving evidence. So. The cooperation is very strong and and couldn't be portrayed in any other way and shouldn't be.
Now, um, the leader of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou Macdonald, said, I condemn their actions, whoever those perpetrators might be, without any equivocation or without any qualifications. And she uh, called on border Republicans not to give safe uh, passage uh, to those people responsible for the shooting of John Caldwell. Do you find that reassuring? I know that the PSNI uh, would have Sinn Féin representatives on the policing board and so on. So it's nothing new that there might be oversight, possibly by a Sinn Féin government of Angarda Siakona. Uh, sorry, the, the question about oversight? Is, is this a question about in respect well, of oversight? Th- th- that if there is yeah. to be a Sinn Féin government, okay. that they would have oversight, obviously, of Angarda Siakana, but then oversight by Sinn Féin is nothing new in Northern Ireland. No, and uh, I was on the, uh, I was a senior officer in PSNI and reported every month to the police and board in Belfast and there were Sinn Féin members of that. Uh, and um, for our part, we're a police service. Uh, we uphold the law uh, I have an accountability to the Minister of Justice that's well set out in legislation and it's, and it's clear uh, from you know many legal precedent my responsibility then and what my responsibilities are and I have to expect I have to respect the democratic process in whatever shape or form that takes. Now I'm going to read two texts: one <laughs> to give you a hard time, okay. and the other uh, the opposite. The first one: working in a busy Dublin district, living an hour away, four tolls a day, work fifty hours overtime. Most rest days are spent in court. A hundred rest days not taken because if I take those days off, the bills won't be paid and court will be missed. Uh, Still can't afford a house. Barely able to make ends meet while I walk into a local uh, country station and those guardies aren't under any pressure whatsoever. Most guardy in busy districts don't have time to engage in cultural audits. They don't even take breaks. So, two, the lives of Garda in two different aspects. The the nice, gentle life of a rural Garda and the hectic and hard-pressed life of a Dublin city Garda. Uh, well, there are many different roles within in Garda Chicana. I'm not sure that anybody actually, you know, to categorise rural policing as being uh, simple is uh, and uh, low-key um, or relaxed would be wrong. There's all sorts of issues that... that Drugs proliferate right through all of Ireland now, regrettably, and they cope with that. They have to manage rural crime as well, as well as providing a, a community services responsive to local people. So I reject that, you know, that they're in effect, they're, they're lying on a bed of fellers. They're not. Uh, in terms of the, the city work, city, city work is busy, uh, but it brings its own... Uh, I think it brings its own rewards. But in that, that guy that's saying, I need to work on my rest days. I need all that overtime to make ends meet. Well, <clears throat> I, I can't comment on the individual and their circumstances in respect of, of, of what their overheads are. What I'd say is that um, we we pay people and we pay and I, and I think the pay is very comparable uh, uh, to the rest of the public sector it's supplemented by allowances and it is supplemented by overtime but there also is then within Angarda Shikana many support services for individuals who might find themselves getting into financial difficulty and I would urge that person if they feel they're in teetering towards financial difficulty or in financial difficulty then they should seek help through a supervisor or through their association because help is there to try and restore these situations we don't want people to be in any way in pressurised situations where they feel under that amount mm. of stress 
in their in in effect their off duty time. No, another serving guard, and he says, um, "I am a serving guard, and the commissioner would probably be unhappy with me contacting yourselves." I must say, I admire him as a man. I think he takes no crap. Says the way things are. He's the only commissioner in my life to to come out and says he thinks we don't have enough resources. Our job is an imperfect practice of human science. Resources are not as much an issue as one would think. The poor placement of resources is an issue. Those behind desks, please get them out working. Also, I think we need to be honest with the public as to what is within our remit and what is not. Too often we're a plaster for other service agencies and that's simply not good enough. We can't say no anymore and we need to as some of those non-core duties take away from our base function. Also, the current roster does not work. A one-size-fits-all does not work for a multifaceted organisation. And as regards recruitment issues, this is a problem in policing internationally. We are not immune from it. And finally, this roaring about guards needing to tackle this and tackle that and tackle everything, we are but a part of every solution. Professionalism and impartiality is needed in policing. The job infuriates me with the level of bureaucracy, but to be fair, I wouldn't change it for anything. Assaults happen every day of the week, but now it's just recorded and put online. The majority of public are decent to deal with, and the majority of our members are decent workers. Apologies for the long text but I just think the commissioner gets uh, a lot of uh, needs to to get a lot of slack and to be fair he doesn't deserve the criticism and the negative narrative uh, in the job by members and representative bodies that's septic at the moment. The message, commissioner keep doing what you're doing, sort the roster finally, keep recruitment going get the equipment and training and be honest with what we can do and cannot do. There's a lot in that. Well, it's a, there's a good manifesto there just at the very end, uh, you know, and uh, I, must, I must find out who that was to get him to write some stuff for me. That was very... Uh, overall, and I think that's probably just illustrates something about um, people take great pride in their work and uh, really enjoy their work, but also that there are a lot of pressures within the workplace as well. And I, and I acknowledge that. I take a lot of time and care in respect of the welfare and support for Garda members. And but at the same time, it is a fantastic job. And if you if you can get into it and like it and love it, uh, then it is a very rewarding career. But it's not for everybody. And and maybe some who join realize then, no, this isn't quite for me because it does make extraordinary demands of an individual in terms of their life and the commitment they're they're expected to give to it. Last question. Uh, you came from outside the force, from the PSNI, yeah. to head up the Garda Shikona. And I would expect there'd be a, a lot of people at senior levels who think, that job is mine. And now it's gone to someone from outside. Did you meet up with much resentment when you took over? Um, well, uh, I might point out, I only travelled 100 miles to take the job in the first place. Uh, sec- <laughs> I know you're familiar with the culture and so on and so forth. Yes, but, but still, you know, but someone sec- would have thought that, you know, I, well, I deserve well, that. Well, um uh, I didn't actually meet resistance. I have to say, when I went round, I was always, I was always uh, made to feel very welcome, and um, people went out of their way actually to make uh, uh, my wife and I feel very welcome uh, to uh, the organisation. And um, even in the first few weeks, it was a very positive experience coming to Angarda Shikana as, as the commissioner. And and this job is a privilege. Um, some days are, are difficult, but in the main, uh, um, it is a privilege and uh, I enjoy the role and, it's a, and it is a real privilege actually to serve the people of Ireland in the position of commissioner. I wouldn't change it for the world. Guard the Commissioner Drew Harris, thank you very much for thank joining you. us. Thanks very much. 
News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.